listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Well, it's good to be with you today as we open God's Word and gather as a church uh, in this way. We are the week before Lent, which kicks off this coming week. And we're going to be going on a journey together towards the cross. But in some ways, what I want to do today is give like a pre-Lent talk, the prequel to Lent, because often a new journey begins at a crossroads. And crossroads is a theme which you're going to see all through today's sermon. So I want to begin at a verse which talks about crossroads, uh, which we can find in Jeremiah verse 6.16. This verse is spoken at a time of great crisis by the prophet Jeremiah, a crisis in the land. And he says this, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Now, I think crossroads are a particularly apt metaphor for how we experience life at this point in time. Australians are reflecting upon and rethinking so many elements of their lives. We're at this crossroads moments. The uh, newspaper this week had an article which was describing many of the changes that Australians are going uh, through, that people who are buying houses, selling houses, buying cars, making whole new life decisions, moving out of cities, so many different decisions are being made. It's this crossroads moment. And I'm just going to read a quote from that article. Demographer Bernard Salt describes the pandemic as a time of reflection that caused many who could start making plans for change. You were restrained from doing things and had to stay in one place. And there was this element of contemplation that encouraged reassessment an element of contemplation that encouraged reassessment. He says, we've never experienced anything like this before. Salt says that the experience of those who lived through the world wars, the shock and disruption and realization that what we believe to be permanent could be tenuous, encouraged people to seek ways to make the most of their time. When you go through war or come back from a war, you want to reinvent or create something new or different. Like a war, this This pandemic has been a circuit breaker. So this circuit breaker has, in a sense, inserted a crossroads on a highway that we just thought would just continue going forward. And we were going along it at a rate of knots. But stopping, the highway turns into a crossroads moment. And so this is a moment of crossroads for Australians, for so many people around the world, but it's also a crossroads moment for the church, for followers of Jesus. And the exciting thing about crossroads is that they offer a new potential, the possibilities of a new road heading in a new direction, the potential of breakthrough and renewal lingers around a crossroads of new starts, new beginnings, new potential, new health, new growth. So crossroads are these really interesting in-between spaces. And if you think about your classic, you know, stock photography image, which, I, you know, if I was doing a PowerPoint, which I'm not, I would put up of 
two directions that you can go in. One which offers potential new beginnings, new possibilities, renewal, but the other which heads off into perhaps more treacherous waters. So very much in our imagination, the image, the metaphor, the analogy of crossroads are potent and filled with all kinds of meanings. In the folklore of Europe, of Brazil, of Africa, all speak of crossroads being these places of decision, but also places around which hover dark forces, willing to trip the traveler up. The blues artist from the United States, Robert Johnson, in the early 20th century, according to a legend, was at a crossroads, misled by a devil. He has a song where he falls on his knees and crawls out to God, but then it's ambiguous. And the legend goes, which I tried to research a little bit, doesn't seem uh, actually true that he ever said this, but the legend, no, no doubt, hovers around him still, that at this crossroads, he sold his soul to the devil in order to become super proficient at the guitar. The ancient Greek goddess Hecate was this goddess of liminal in-between spaces, in-between places, and she also inhabited the time between phases or reigns of rulers as well. And whilst I don't believe in all the elements of these folklore, I do believe that these are grabbing onto some element of a spiritual truth that because crossroad moments are freighted with sacred opportunity. They are also where the enemy amasses his troops in ambush. Deception thickly hangs like a fog, obscuring clear views. They are places where the enemy will whisper again in the ear of the believer, the traveler along the road of faith. And so what we're going to be looking at in our Lenten series is that call in the Gospels. We see in Mark's Gospel to take up your cross and follow Jesus. It's this journey, this road towards Jesus, his work on the cross, the death of sin, the death of self, resurrection, the gift of grace. Salvation, eternity, the kingdom of God breaking out in the world. That is the road that we're on. But we, unlike any other year, find ourselves at a crossroad moment before we begin that Lenten journey. And so I believe that at this moment of a kind of global crossroads that both the individual, the world, the believer, the non-believer all experience, that we've seen about 10 years of deception in 10 months. Individuals making poor decisions. We've seen false teaching come into the church in an unprecedented and rapid scale. We had a series last year. Uh, actually, it was the year before. I don't know if you like me. Coronavirus has completely messed up my mental calendar. 2019, we did a series on resilient disciples. And in that series, following on the book by Dave Kinnaman and Mark Matlock, they talked about the fact that increasingly people are discipled not by their churches, but actually by YouTube. And the news is filled with stories of misinformation. But this has also been true of the church. And when the pandemic happened, so many people, in a sense, weren't physically in church. Many people even switched off what was happening online. And then YouTube began to disciple people at an incredible rate. 
And a lot of that content was actually false teaching. We've also seen in this time, this moment of prophetic failings as many leading prophetic figures, particularly around the Pentecostal church, predicted a second term for President Trump, staking their, 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 response, their uh, reputations on that moment. Some have apologized, others haven't, that that did not come true. But what this has done for a whole generation of believers, particularly who have come from those parts of the church, has so a seed of doubts as prophecy has failed. A moment of deception at this time of crossroads. We have seen in the world a kind of satanic deception in so many areas from ideology, politics, personal, at so many levels. In the midst of this hovering deception that goes around this crossroad moment, we interestingly have more information than we've ever had before. If you are at a crossroads, having Google Earth, uh, Google Maps is brilliant if it's working properly. Having a physical map, an old Melways, for those of you who are old enough to remember Melways, a map is a brilliant thing to actually have at a moment of a crossroads where which way should you go? Because a map provides the information that you need. But our problem at the moment is that we don't, not that we don't have a map, we have too many maps, too many maps which point in the wrong direction, sending people in all kinds of different directions that don't be accurate representations of the land that is before us, that cannot inform us. The old belief was that people made bad decisions, that people were unhappy, that the world was in tumult because we did not have enough information. And if only the people could get information, we would come to some moment of realization and then we could move forward. But this moment says that actually that belief is wrong. We don't have enough, not that we don't have enough information, we have too much information at this moment. We're exposed to more opinion than ever before. The countless advice that we can get from friends to, to online articles, to podcasts. There is this moment of incredible downloading of opinion. I was walking the other morning and everyone's been walking a lot more during the pandemic. And so many people are walking around with their headphones on. And so many people listen to podcasts. It was just interesting. I was walking and there's this woman in front of me and she wasn't, I don't know, she wasn't doing the classic have it in your earphones. She had her iPhone on loud. And I could just hear this sort of self-help podcast that she was listening to. And for me, it was really interesting. It was almost like to see behind the veil of what actually people are listening. And here's this woman up at early in the morning, walking before she starts her day, trying to get opinion, coaching on how to actually live. So we're at this moment of mass opinion. But so much of it actually falls short. We also are at this moment where increasingly anxiety is the illness of our day. Now, it's interesting. When you think about what is anxiety, anxiety is a symptom of not knowing what to do, a physical manifestation of feeling confused and fearful about making a decision or knowing how to operate in a particular area or opportunity or choice. It's when fear clouds your decision-making process where as humans, we go into this fight or flight response. 
And a fight or flight response is not a great response to have at a crossroads moment. Ephesians 5.15 says this. I think speaking directly into our moment. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. The days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so at this crossroads moment, what we are missing is discernment. As individuals, as a culture, and as a church, we are actually suffering from a discernment deficit, a deficiency in our ability to make biblical, holy decisions reflecting God's will. And at this moment of standing globally, so many people, millions, at a crossroads moment, that deficiency is shown up. When you're going along with the crowd, when everyone's making decisions, when you're on autopilot, you can get away with it. But at this moment, as Bernard Salt said in that article, when we've been paused, everything has stopped. And before us is this moment of contemplation and reflection, and we have to make decisions. Our lack of discernment has been shown up. One way to understand what discernment is, is to understand almost a little bit of a mathematical equation. Revelation, that is God speaking directly to us, that is knowledge, that is information that directly comes through the Father, through Scripture, or through the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Revelation plus wisdom And when I'm saying wisdom here, I'm not just meaning, oh, there's a wise thought I heard on that podcast or there's a fridge magnet which has got a quote from I don't know who. But I'm actually talking about the wisdom that comes from God. That in the book of Proverbs is described as almost this human figure who stands on a corner calling out a different message to the seductive voice of the age. Psalm 119 verses 125 says this. The believer crying out to God, I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your law. When we're looking for information, we're in control. When we're looking for answers, what the 21st century internet culture has shown us is that there's algorithms which will tailor the answers that you're looking for to your biases and your desires and your wants. That's not just true of Google. That's actually true of the whole of life. And actually what happens is when we ask for discernment, we're actually asking God to lead us in a way which transcends the cultural answers that seem to come from your peers, from what you've looked like online, from that theory over there, from this political position, from what your culture says. We need to ask for discernment. Discernment comes directly from God. It's given. And we need to ask for it. And so we don't need more information. Information in its proportionate place can be good, but we don't need more information. We need revelation. We don't need more opinion. We need wisdom. You see, the thing about discernment is I can get information increasingly now 
You can just find out something about someone by looking at their social media uh, you know, footprint. You can Google people. But there's a kind of relational knowledge of others, a, a discernment of people's character and who they are that you only get by relationally meeting them. And this is true of our relationship with God. Discernment flows from intimacy. Information is a bunch of data disconnected from someone, put on a page or a web page and sent to you. Discernment comes from an intimate relationship with God, where we are fed by his word, where we live in it, where it begins to shape how we think and we begin to inhabit that biblical world reflective of heaven on earth, where God speaks to us and his law guides us. Intimacy, when his spirit is speaking to us, where we become attuned to his ways in the loudness of the world, in the voices of the world, from peers to the internet, to whatever it may be, that goes quiet and the still small voice that Elijah heard, that voice of the spirit. We get what Terry Wallen calls voice recognition, word and spirit laying a foundation for discernment in our lives. And we get to have that incredible combination. I mentioned the failure of prophecies of light that many are feeling, particularly in the Pentecostal church. Prophecy always has a dance partner. This dance partner is discernment. The New Testament has this process when a word of prophecy is given, it is then weighed by wise believers. And so, yes, we need prophetic words. Prophetic words shake the earth and come and give us this new possibility. But we also need at this time not just the prophetic words. We also need the wise believers who has discernment to weigh those words. And hang on, are you buying out to a political agenda there? Are you buying out to some sort of cultural thing there? That's the process that we need at this time. And when prophecy and discernment work together in the people of God, that's an incredible dance. Discernment also flows from discipleship. It's learnt. Information I can just get. Information requires nothing of me. I can choose to ignore information. Dallas Willard tells the story of a university class where there was a young woman being bullied by class members. Two young men were bullying her. The class was an ethics class. And the two young men who were bullying this young woman, both were acing the class and getting the best marks in how to be a good ethical person. For them, it was simply information. Revelation, wisdom, discernment comes from a life given over to Christ where every day we actually say, I just want more information that I can use like a tool to advance my life project in the world. I don't just want a podcast that's going to pump me up so I can achieve my life goals. Discernment comes from laying at the foot of the cross and saying, God, shape me. Well, the church is, is a community of discernment where we come together with others who have laid their personal agendas down, their personal life projects down, and together we, through word and spirit, listen to what God is saying, becoming discerning, wise people shaped by God. 
Discernment is also delegation. The process of discipleship is to teach us discernment so we get that voice recognition and you know a coach in sport when they've done really well is when the coach is not there and the team still knows how to play. Even when the circumstances change, they go a player down, someone gets injured, they still know the coach's instructions because they've played with him so long and they hear his voice even when he's not yelling it because maybe he's not on the touchline. Dallas Willard says this, The great height of our development as disciples of Christ is not that we always hear God's voice, but that we are trained under the hand of God, which includes hearing God as he speaks and guides in such a way that we are able to stand at our appointed times and places in faith, hope, and love without even a word from God and having done everything to stand firm. What he's saying there is that what God is shaping us, sometimes you get a clear voice message from God that's undeniable. Someone will come up and say something that you just could never have known without God intervening. Sometimes you may even you know, sense this overwhelming confirmation from God over something. Other times you'll come to this crossroads moment and you're not seemingly hearing anything that you can put down as this definite supernatural breaking in of God wants you to go this way. But what discipleship is, what the journey of being shaped in discernment is, is actually where your will aligns with God's will, where your heart aligns with God's heart, where your values are not shaped by the culture or ideology or what you want to hear to find identity or meaning or success by the world standards, but actually God's kingdom values. Discernment is delegation. And so at this moment, the week, the prequel before Lent, at this moment in the world where it's hectic out there, there's a lot of people making decisions, some brilliant ones which are bringing people back to God, discovering God for the first time. Some people are going, man, I need to be a better parent. Man, I've just pursued this own thing. I need to, to work out and, 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 you know, like not work out. Let me, I'll finish my sentence. Got to be excited there. To actually work out how I want to exist in this world as a healthy human being. Other people are realizing there's things that need to be reconciled. There's a whole bunch of things that are happening in this moment. But there's also a lot of deception that is floating around at this moment. There's elements of the church which honestly seems like it's losing its mind. But if you feel down about that, don't. Because we follow a God who is bigger than any crisis or any period that we're going through. And we follow a God who offers us revelation, his word, his spirit, his scriptures are filled with his wisdom. Wisdom still calls out to us and he is building a people of discernment at this moment of deception. So don't lose heart. Don't be anxious. You have a God who is going ahead of you. You just need to follow him, stay close, and he will show you which way to go at this crossroads moment. And then we can grasp the opportunity of breakthrough at this moment. The crisis of the crossroads precedes renewal. Where we go from here is a decision moment. This crossroads of so many off-ramps of looking to the world, the external, to define ourselves. But there's this other way where we actually die to self.
die to the world's agenda and instead choose to take up our cross and follow our king to that mountain where we die to some stuff. But on the other side is the third day of resurrection. So crossroads also comes before a resurrection moment. I'm going to pray now because I think God is doing some stuff. God, I just want to just bind in the name of Jesus Christ deceptive forces of the enemy, of Satan, which are clouding people's minds at this time. We we know this has been this pause circuit breaker moment. And we know people are rethinking as they've gotten off the, the hamster wheel and actually find themselves paused and, and, and reflecting and contemplating. And we know even in the last year, as the world has been paused, that people are putting plans into place. And Father, I want to pray at this moment that whatever plans that we're putting into place, whatever confusion we may have, anxiety or perhaps a new decision or a new fortitude, that all of them are actually placed at your altar. We don't want them to be shaped by us. We don't want them to be shaped by the world. We don't want them to be shaped by the devil. We want these plans to be shaped by you. So we lay them symbolically now at the cross. And even at home, Father, wherever we're watching this as a person of one or a group of people gathering together, we lay these before. And Father, where there is deception, we actually pray for discernment. Where there is a wobbly moment where we just don't know where this is going to go, we actually pray for your wisdom. Father, I want to pray for people whose hearts are disturbed and, and doubting because of seemingly failed prophecy from Christian leaders who they've looked up to. And instead, Father, I pray that we take our eyes off humans and put it on you. I want to pray against the torrent of false teaching that has come into the church from all kinds of everything, from conspiracy theories to political extremes to to false teaching that people are jumping onto. Father, we pray against all kinds of misleading lies from the Father of lies, and we bind them in Jesus' name. And instead we pray love, power, and a sound mind. Your truth we pray in Jesus' name. And Father, I just want to pray for the strength that you promise your people, a strength that comes at this moment, the strength that comes from you because we are close to you in your proximity. I want to pray in Jesus' name this week before Lent of a decision. May it be that at this moment of global crossroads, that a whole score of new Christians in the world and people at our church and people watching now actually make a decision to take up that cross. That what comes out of this is not a better fitness routine or perhaps a more manageable life balance and less commuting or a move to the country or the purchasing of a, a new lawnmower, whatever that may be. Oh, I'm smashing things as I pray here. We're just going to keep going. That whatever that may be, Father, those things are not wrong in themselves. But I pray for this decision to actually follow you, out of which will come breakthrough and renewal and awakening at a personal and a corporate level. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. I will now recover my iPad. Have a fantastic week.